The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me. I appreciate you. Um, It's that weird time in between. Does anybody else feel like it's uh, the five or so days that are stuck between Christmas and New Year's, the week in between there? It feels like time doesn't exist. It's very strange. I never know what day it is, what time it is, what's going on. It's a very bizarre uh, week in life, for sure. Um, Okay, so we have a fantastic show. Uh, Amazing human rights activist and uh, lawyer and peace activist and just super cool guy. Dan Kavalik is here. Uh, We're going to be talking to him momentarily. He was just recently in the West Bank, so uh, definitely going to be picking his brain about that. But we do have some very interesting news today uh, that I think is... uh, Now, to be fair, I have had a chance to um, really dig into this. Let me, we'll just dive into it and then we'll discuss why I haven't uh, really had a chance to dive into this. So um, as reported by multiple outlets, I'm reading here from Decensored News. Uh, They do great work over there if you want to go check them out. Uh, They say, Justin, ready? South Africa invokes the Genocide Convention. Yay! Filing an application, instituting proceedings against Israel before the International Court of Justice, the ICJ, and requesting provisional measures to protect against further, quote, severe and irreparable harm, end quote. So if you will remember, we had incredible journalist Sam Husseini on the show, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, And he is the one, shout out to Sam. He has been doing tireless work raising awareness about this, calling on uh, different countries to act. He has a whole um, uh, article out on his Substack where he listed all of the email addresses for all of the various countries that you could contact requesting them to do something like this. Um, uh, as we all know, the ICC is a joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is a complete waste of time. They're never going to do anything um, uh, that goes against, that flies against Western imperialism. So uh, the ICJ was the only other option in terms of, and they have ruled in favor of Palestine previously. So this is certainly something that uh, could potentially be um, a game changer, not a game. I don't know. I don't, it's, it's hard for me to have any sense of hope right now, Um, but it is a little bit of good news. Shout out to South Africa for having the courage um, to be the first to act on this. I think now that they have acted um, and we've spoken about this on the show before, I think now that we have one country that has acted on this, um, I think it's likely that we will see other countries sign on to it. It'll be, in my opinion, I think uh, it's likely we'll see a bit of a snowball effect. And once that, first courageous country steps forward, I think many other countries will follow, at least they should. Um, so if you uh, yourself live in a country um, that has been openly critical of Israel, I would highly encourage you to um, contact uh, them, uh, raise some awareness and noise um, with your neighbors and friends and family. Um, uh, again, Sam has that fantastic article up on his Substack. I will see if I can get Indy to put a uh, link to that specific article in the Substack article for today, um, for today's guest, so that you can find it a little bit easier. Um, but you can, I mean, it's just samhusseini.substack.com. You can go check that out. Um, I'm sure it's not that far down on his page. But uh, Sam also tweeted about it. He said, uh, this appears to be great news. Thank you, South Africa. Africa, going through the fine print, the actual filing is very long. Task before us may be to have other states in, uh, supporting this legal action. And that is why I haven't had a chance to dive into this uh, fully, because it is, it is in fact, a very long uh, filing. There's a lot of, obviously, legal mumbo-jumbo that 
Um, we'll probably go over my head a bit, but I'm going to try to read through it as best I can, uh, make as much sense of it as I can. Um, and hopefully I'm sure Sam will write a, a, a great article about it as well. Um, but if you would like to go and check it out for yourself, the uh, filing is in fact available. Um, so, and Sam has the link for that here on his tweet. Uh, Sam also says, funny that this should come today for me. Sick in bed with a horrible case of bronchitis. DC winters are too much for me. Perhaps I should head to South Africa. Uh, he says the last 24 hours I unplugged for most everything and just listen to Thomas Merton saying to leave things in God's hands. I, of course, broke down crying at the news. And I'm sure that Sam uh, was uh, emotional because he has, again, been the one leading the charge on this issue. Um, he's been talking about it for weeks now. Um, uh, I, I don't remember when when exactly his initial article came out, but he was on my show weeks ago talking about this. Um, so I know that he um, is likely feeling... Uh, a little exhausted. <laughs> I, I think that this has been getting to him as it has been for all of us. Okay, here it is. Uh, the article that he wrote came out on November 19th. So he's been talking about uh, invoking the Genocide Convention for over a month now. Um, and that article is fantastic. Again, at the end, he um, uh, has the email addresses for various different countries. And I think that <clears throat> there are multiple countries who have been openly critical of Israel. I think those are the ones we need to focus on. I think South Africa, I think it's also... Um, I don't know if ironic is the right word. It's delicious uh, that it's South Africa that is doing this because obviously uh, apartheid state recognizes apartheid state, I think. Um, so I think it's great that uh, it's South Africa that's leading the way on this. But there are various other countries who have been incredibly critical of Israel uh, in the very uh, open genocide that they are seeking to commit uh, right now. So um, uh, even if you don't live in one of those countries, obviously I'm an American. My country is funding and arming Israel. So um my country is very, um, it's very unlikely I'm going to be able to get them to, to move on this, but um, I'm going to do my best to reach out to some of these other countries that I know have been openly critical uh, of Israel. I think that all of us, it would it's on all of us. Again, doesn't take very long. These are just emails. So uh, check out Sam's article, a little bit of good news. I, again, I don't know how significant it really is going to be, but I do think it speaks to the momentum shift that we've been seeing taking place on this issue. So uh, again, kudos to Sam. Great work. Uh, fantastic. I would love to have him back on so we can and discuss this uh, this development. So, um, okay, don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack, mistywinston.substack.com. There's a write-up for the guest of the day every day so you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And if you would like, shoot me an email, mistywinston at tntradio.live. Uh, guest idea, show idea, you want to rant, uh, hit me up. I'll try to get back to you. I don't know what's going on with my voice. I was fine until I sat down here to do this show. I'm very sorry. Um, I feel a little scratchy now. It's very strange. Um, okay, and don't forget, do not miss out on a thing. Uh, you can download the TNT Radio app for free. Um, it's available both on the Apple App Store and Google Play, so you can listen easily anytime, anywhere. Carry us around in your pocket. Good family fun for everyone. Again, available for free to download right now, uh, so you can keep up to speed on everything right here on TNT Radio. Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society, and I am fed up with it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, here we go. Google again. This week, Google agreed to settle a potentially $5 billion lawsuit alleging that the tech giant collected data, that's what they do, of internet users while they were browsing in so-called private mode. There's no such thing uh, on Google's Chrome or other browsers. So here with the story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, aka Ruckus. So Google spying on us. Who would have thunk it? Right, Adam? Right. This is actually a pretty big deal, Misty. Uh, they're yeah. they're spying on non-Google products. So Google is spying on you even if you're not using Google's Chrome. 
Sort of, especially if you are using what on your browser is considered a private mode, you might not be so private after all. So this is very eye-opening to me. Uh, this is a class action lawsuit. It was actually filed back in 2020. Uh, there were things happening in 2020 other than the one big thing, believe it or not. Uh, but this one was filed by five plaintiffs and it covers uh, millions of Google users. It accuses the company of tracking user activity even after they set Google's Chrome browser to what they call incognito mode. The complaint alleged that this tracking was also done when using the quote-unquote private browsing mode in other browsers. As such, when a user visits a website that contains Google's analytics or other little sneaky hidden codes via any browser, the tech company actually collects private information such as your IP address and your location data, despite being on quote unquote private browsing. Uh oh, not so private. Uh, the complaint insisted that Google violated California's privacy laws as well as federal wiretapping regulations, interestingly enough, and it demanded a minimum of, minimum of $5,000 in damages per affected user, making the total amount of the lawsuit uh, at least, at least five billion smackaroonies. Holy moly. On Tuesday, Google and the lawsuit plaintiffs submitted a notice in the U.S. District Court of the Northern District of California agreeing to a deal that would, quote, resolve the claims in this litigation, end quote, provided the court approves it. The parties asked the court to stay the litigation, quote unquote, in its entirety and vacate the trial date so they could, quote, focus their efforts entirely on finalizing the settlement, end quote. A trial date on the case was scheduled for February 5th of next year, coming up soon. But the U.S. District Judge Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers put the trial date on hold uh, yesterday, on Thursday, the settlement terms not revealed. However, lawyers claimed to have agreed upon the binding term sheet, which is a non-binding agreement outlining the basic terms and conditions of a deal. The two sides are expected to present a formal settlement agreement for court approval by February 24th, at least according to Reuters. Uh, Google tried to have the case dismissed, uh, of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? In August, Judge Rogers rejected the company's bid for a summary judgment, a judgment entered by the court for a party against another party without conducting a full trial. Judge Rogers said in her ruling denying the company's summary judgment request, quote, since June 1st of 2016, Google represented to plaintiffs it would not collect their information while they browsed privately, end quote. However, quote, it did so anyway, collecting, aggregating and selling plaintiffs private browsing data without their consent, end quote, shocker. When a user visits a website running Google services like Analytics and Ad Manager, the company's software, quote, directs the user's browser to send a separate communication to Google, end quote, which happens even when the user is in private browsing mode. This is, of course, unknown to the user or the website developers, according to this ruling. Google then collects private information about the user, including the individual's IP address, geolocation, browser, and device platform details, how the person interacts with a website, and search queries on the site. The plaintiffs argued that Google uses this private browsing history to build up user profiles, allowing the company to display, no shock here, better targeted ads. The ruling says, quote, this is at the core of Google's business. The bulk of Google's hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue comes from selling targeted advertisements to other companies. By selling users information, Google prevents users from monetizing their own data. The value of this data can be quantified. 
For example, Google itself has piloted a program to pay users $3 per week to track them, end quote. That's right, folks. If you so choose, you can get paid $3 per week to allow Google to track you. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing, thinking they're not tracking you. And boy, howdy, were you wrong. What do you think about this one, Misty? Not surprising. I mean, come on, y'all. Anybody who thinks that you can like privately or incognito browse the internet is a fool. Uh, you cannot. It's not possible. They're spying on you every time you get anywhere near the internet. And frankly, most of the time when you're not on the internet, uh, we all know our phones listen to us, right? That used to sound like a crazy conspiracy theory. It's not. They're listening to you all the time. Uh, anytime your phone is around you, it has a microphone that they can easily enable. Thank you, WikiLeaks and Vault 7 for exposing a lot of that information. But yeah, remember, do you remember, Adam, when Google's motto was don't be evil? <laughs> oh, they've gone so far away from that. I mean, listen, uh, I don't know how obviously the fact that they are being uh, there's a lawsuit and there's a potential massive payout that's going to happen. I mean, that's great. It's good. I don't think it's going to change anything. Google's going to Google. They're going to do what Google does. They're, they have no um, incentive to change. As you just mentioned, uh, a, a massive part of this is um, for advertising dollars, uh, being able to target you. Uh, they're studying you. They want to uh, they want to know everything about you. And again, we've spoken about this. It's so frustrating to me because we should have a situation, um, in my opinion, where people have absolute privacy and power is fully transparent. And we have that so completely reversed. Uh, people in power have all of the privacy in the world. They're able to do anything and everything that they want to do in your name, with your money to you, uh, with no accountability, with no um, uh, uh, transparency or open uh, exposure of that. Um, and people have zero privacy. They know everything about you. They know where you shop. They know what school your kids go to. They know what size shoe you wear. They know uh, your favorite gas station, what your favorite snack is. They know everything that there is to know about you. And they are creating these little profiles on you. They have all of your data. It is terrifying. It's so crazy to me that this is taking place and more people aren't up in arms about it. And I think that they've just done such a good job of uh, selling us that if you have nothing to hide, then what does it matter? It's not about that. This is about uh, your privacy and your data. Your data is so unbelievably valuable. Um, and these people are just, it's, uh, to me, it's incredibly exploitative. It's very, um, What's the word I'm looking for? It feels like a massive violation, uh, really. And um, uh, I just, I don't know that it's really going to make any difference, though, Adam. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Google's going to change? Of course not, right? No. And, and the $5 billion potential lawsuit is a, is a tiny, it's like that's a yeah. drop in an ocean for these people. I mean, did you hear in that report? Google makes hundreds, hundreds of billions with a B in revenue just from advertising. So, you yeah. think $5 billion is going to hurt them? Pish posh. No, no way. They're going to laugh. They're <laughs> like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, that's like a cup of coffee, beer. right? Yeah. To the, uh, yeah that's a, I can hold my beer. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's Bud crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good throwback, Adam. That was a good callback. But yes, you're right. Uh, it is a drop in the bucket for them. They're not going to be any, uh, there's going to be no bother to them whatsoever. They'll pay it off happily um, and hope that this just kind of flies under the radar and nobody cares much about it, which unfortunately they're right. Nobody seems to care much about this. You should care though. You should absolutely care. Google is spying on you, spying on your kids, spying on all of us. It's a terrifying prospect. And they're going to, they're using that information against you. They're weaponizing it against you. They're weaponizing against all of us. Um, in ways that we aren't even aware of.
care of, I'm sure. It's not just about, you know, selling you your next couch or, you know, your next TV or whatever. It's they're using it in ways that we probably can't even fathom at this point. And in 10 years time, we're going to learn more and more about what they're doing with that information. And it's going to be horrific. And we're all going to be really angry that we allowed ourselves to get into this position. So I really wish I could inspire people to fight back against this stuff. Kind of the it's that same frustration with the free speech press freedom thing that I deal with, where it seems like nobody really cares that much when you should. Uh, I wish I could get people to care about this because to me, this is incredibly significant. The idea that they are uh, spying on us to such an immense degree. It's insane. This is, I mean, but there it is. But Google's going to Google. Don't be evil, y'all. Um, all right, Adam, thanks for bringing us this story. Have a great week and we will talk to you again on Monday. Hang tight. We're going to be back with our guest right after this right here on TNT Radio. Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both of those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT Radio. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future with nutritious food to eat. A chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more, so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work, and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. I love it that people are streaming at work. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, all right, y'all. Our guest today is Dan Kavalik. I've been a huge fan of his work for a very long time. He's a peace and human rights activist. He's a lawyer. He's also the author of numerous books, including Cancel This Book, The Progressive Case Against Cancel Culture, No More War, How the West Violates International Law by Using hum Humanitarian Intervention to Advance Economic and Strategic Interests. That one's a mouthful. Uh, the Plot to Scapegoat Russia, How the CIA and the Deep State Have uh, Conspired to Vilify Russia and Others. Uh, his latest book, The case uh the case for palestine and why it matters and why you should care is due to be released on march 12th in 2024 i've pre-ordered my copy you should do the same uh you can also find dan on twitter at daniel m kovalik and that is k-o-v-a-l-i-k for those of you who love me to spell things out for you um and you can also find a link there to his publisher where you can purchase all of his books so dan thanks so much for being here missy 
Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks for the very kind introduction. Yeah, of course. I'm very excited to read your book that comes out in March. Um, uh, obviously, it's um, the situation is horrific. I know that you have been uh, you've recently been to the West Bank. I'm so glad that you uh, made that trip. I think that obviously uh, the focus has been uh, mostly on Gaza for obvious reasons. I think that that is um, a much more dire situation. But the West Bank is very much under its own sort of attack. There's been uh, hundreds of people killed. There's been thousands of people uh, arrested and imprisoned. Um, so talk a little bit about your trip to the West Bank and what you experienced there. Yeah, well, it was it was an incredible trip. I was really glad that I was able to go and make it there. Um, as you say, it's a very tense situation throughout the West Bank, particularly, by the way, in Jerusalem. Um, you know, Israel's trying to use this moment when the world is looking at Gaza to make to gain more land and control over all of the West Bank, but particularly Jerusalem which, uh, you know, East Jerusalem under international law is supposed to be under the Palestinian Authority. But you may recall that President Trump uh, recognized all of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and, in fact, moved for the first time, moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which was a very provocative move. And, of course, Biden has not count countermanded that. And um, so Israel's trying to make great inroads into East Jerusalem, which is, by the way, where the holy sites are, Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is the third holiest site for uh, Muslims is there, the uh, Church of the Holy Sepulcher, where Jesus was said to have been buried and then rose from the dead is there. Um, so it's a very important place. And um, Israel's been arresting people, as you say, thousands of, of people uh, from the West Bank since October 7th. The count I saw was certainly well over 3,000 people have been arrested since October 7th, and over 400 Palestinians have been killed in the West Bank since October 7th. And every day I was there, there were military incursions by Israel into the various cities that I was in or through, including Ramallah, including Bethlehem, which I went to, and again, including um, Jerusalem. Um, and yeah, uh, the Palestinians are under a lot of pressure there. And of course, they're also under a lot of pressure because they're quite aware what's happening to their brothers and sisters in Gaza. And it's very important to point out, by the way, that, you know, history did not start on October 7th. Yes. That in the last two years, there have been increasing levels of violence against the people, not only in Gaza, but in the West Bank. There have been many pogroms against uh, Palestinians to try to drive them off their land, drive them out of their houses, and otherwise create a state of terror to um, try to again, coax Palestinians in, into leaving. And that has succeeded in, in many cases. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad that you just brought that up too, because I, that's uh, very often the argument that I hear is I that, hear is 
um, you know, it, if only Hamas would release the uh, the hostages or if only and it's just so um, it completely erases reality because it didn't start on October 7th. Israel's been brutalizing the people of Palestine for literally decades. And so uh, it's always curious to me um, what those people mean. So if uh, if suddenly Hamas decides to release all of the hostages, Israel's now going to be nice and they're going to stop occupying the land and they're going to stop brutalizing the people, arresting them, holding them in indefinite detention because i don't think that that's what's going to happen that's what's gonna <laughs> it's a very it's a very um whitewashing of history uh, and it, it kind of uh, presumes that things happen in a vacuum and that october 7th is where all of this started and obviously that's just not the case no and of course we have to recognize that the prisoners that israel's holding are many are essentially hostages many are children themselves and in fact that's why Israel's really increased its arrests of people in the West Bank to gain more, essentially, bargaining chips. Um, but they don't seem that, also, they don't seem that interested in their own hostages. That needs to be pointed right. out. In fact, yeah. Hamas has been saying that the bombing has been indiscriminate. Hamas has been worried that the hostages they've been holding are just going to get bombed, and some have been and been killed. Uh, of course, there were the three Israeli hostages who were shot by Israeli defense forces. They had white flags up. One of the hostages even started speaking in Hebrew to the uh, soldiers, Israeli soldiers, and they were shot anyway. And, and again, uh, Hamas has made it clear they're happy to release those hostages. They just want their own hostages being held by Israel back. But again... Yes. Israel's not interested in doing that. No. Um, and, and that's very clear because this is not about hostages. This is right now about Israel's attempt uh, to primarily uh, rid all of Gaza, all, every Palestinian there, either yes. by death or by ethnic cleansing into the Sinai Peninsula. That is what it's the final solution, Dan. That's what they're looking for is the final solution. They want greater Israel and Palestinians are in the way. Uh, and you're right. And I think that's uh, something that's so interesting. And I'm uh, uh, I'm so glad that you're here to talk about this because um, as you just mentioned, uh, it's not about the hostages. They couldn't care less about the hostages. Uh, Hamas has very openly said that they're willing to exchange hostages for uh, prisoners who have been have, who've been held in Israeli prisons um, under a completely different legal system, by the way. Uh, and um, But th what's interesting to me is that even when we had the humanitarian pause where there was that exchange of prisoners, as Israel was releasing men, women, and children from Israeli jails, they were arresting and kidnapping uh, even more than they were releasing. And so it, it, was, it wasn't even a, a fair exchange. Um, and that's just indicative of the entire uh, attitude that Israel's had throughout the course of this entire situation since 1948. Um, and I just, it's, uh, it's very frustrating to me when uh, people are incapable of recognizing that. I think that there's so much uh, Israeli propaganda up until this point, and I want to pick your brain about this. We have to take a quick break and get headlines. But up until this point, up until this particular flare up of this conflict, I think Israeli propaganda has been unbelievably effective. I think that they're losing that war now. So let's take a quick break and get some headlines. And I'd like to pick your brain about that. We'll be back here on TNT Radio. Big news, news, news. Story which contains more than first meets the ear. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. 
Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro has declared that Britain's deployment of a warship to Guyana constitutes a violation of the commitment to a peaceful resolution of the Essequibo dispute. In Matamoros, Mexico, close to the Rio Grande and far from Mexico's National Palace, efforts to dismantle a dilapidated migrant tent camp indicate potential future actions to manage the migrant surge at the U.S. border. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. All right, we are here with Dan Kovalik. We're talking about Israel-Palestine. Uh, Dan's recently been in the West Bank. And um, uh, again, as I've mentioned on this show several times, uh, many times, actually, I feel like we're very focused on Gaza. I think that that is for obvious reasons. There is a legitimate genocide happening on the world stage, which is still endlessly fascinating to me that that is taking place and um, uh, that so many people are openly supportive of it. Um, and aren't calling it for what it is. But I think that uh, the West Bank is getting kind of lost in the mix. Um, uh, and and I, not to say that we shouldn't be focused on Gaza, we absolutely should, but I think that the, what's happening in the West Bank is uh, also incredibly significant because I feel like that um, uh, kind of shows what the Israeli game plan. I think that once the focus is off of Gaza, that is certainly where they're going to be headed next. And we should point out too that Hamas has no power uh, in the West Bank. And so this whole uh, storyline that they're selling you that this is all about ending Hamas, first of all, it's absurd to think that you can end Hamas by indiscriminately bombing a bunch of women and children. That's how you recruit for Hamas. Um, but I also think that it's uh, it just shows that the once um, uh, it really has nothing to do with Hamas. And once they're done with Gaza, they're uh, they're a- they're absolutely going to be going to the West Bank and taking uh, uh, measures there as well. So, um, uh, okay. So I mentioned that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, uh, the PR war because I think that that's fairly significant. I think, and I think there's uh, several different reasons for this. I think that one is certainly the uh, invention of social media. Um, I think that people now have immediate access to on-the-ground information that we haven't had previously. Um, Also, I think it speaks to the unbelievable work of the (laughs) incredibly courageous journalists who were on the ground doing... um, some of the most valuable work I think that I have seen in recent memory, um, uh, knowing that they're being targeted for uh, assassination, their families are also being targeted. But I really feel like this time around, we're seeing the Israeli narrative. It's not working anymore, Dan. I feel like the uh, uh, previously people were afraid to speak against Israel. They didn't want to be labeled as anti-Semitic. I feel like they've overplayed that hand. Um, and I feel like so many people are now... Um, they've now been exposed to so much of the reality of the situation and the uh, the lies and the propaganda that have been force fed upon Western audiences for so long by our mainstream media is just not working anymore. Would you agree with that? Do you think that Israel is in fact losing that 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 kind of control of the narrative? Yes, and in fact, I think they've lost it in a profound way. I think this kind of cloak of goodness that they have enshrouded themselves in, since 1948 is gone. Yes. And I think it is for, you know, the reason you say, I think social media has been the best friend of the Palestinians. And it has been for years because the mainstream media has refused to deal with the reality confronting people in Palestine, particularly in Gaza. 
and the fact that they've been living in an open air concentration camp since 2007. And now, of course, on social media, we're seeing every minute videos, photos of children dying, being pulled from rubble, being brought to hospitals um, in pieces. And this can't but uh, impact public opinion. And now the media has been forced, I think, the mainstream media has been forced by social media to catch up and to start acknowledging what's happening. And so you've seen articles in the New York Times and Washington Post and the Associated Press talking about the 2,000-pound bombs that Israel's been dropping on Gaza and the fact that military officials, U.S. military officials in Afghanistan said they wouldn't even use 500-pound bombs there on urban populations. And here Israel's using 2,000-pound bombs being provided, of course, by the United States, which destroy entire neighborhoods at once. And these are not impactful, as you say, on Hamas fighters that are underground. These are only impactful on the civilian population. And what we know is that over 20,000 people in Gaza have been killed. I think that's a huge underestimate because there's still yes. thousands under rubble. Of course, we now know that nearly the entire population is now facing famine. So we have no idea how many people have died or, or are dying from lack of nutrition, lack of water. And of course, a vast majority of those dying are women and children. And again, as the Associated Press has pointed out, as the New York Times has pointed out, this is the most rapid loss of civilian life as a percentage of the population that we've ever seen in any conflict, even during World War II. I mean, this, this is an abomination. You mentioned the, the, the brave journalists in Gaza. We've lost more journalists. Yes in a conflict than we've ever seen, around 100 journalists and media workers. We have seen more UN workers killed in a conflict since the founding of the UN that's ever happened, over 130. And not only the journalists and the UN staff workers, but huge numbers of their family. We are seeing entire bloodlines being wiped out in Gaza. And that is why people are calling this quite rightly a genocide. And I don't know if you've already covered this in your news stories, but South Africa finally has done the right thing. And they have gone yep. to the International Court of Justice to have this declared a genocide, which should have happened some time ago. But thank goodness it's finally being done. We are watching a genocide in real time, in slow motion. And this the world needs to to respond. Yes, I agree. And yes, I did cover that just at the top of the hour. Um, Sam Husseini did a great job um, really kind of calling attention to that. He did a, a, an article in November. I had him on my show to discuss it. Uh, and he's really been kind of leading the charge on this. Obviously, he's not the first person to ever come up with the idea, uh, which he uh, himself says. But I think that he's been uh, really influential over the past month or so calling attention to that. And you're absolutely right. And it, it's very frustrating to me that people um, are uh, uh, kind of struggling with the word genocide. It couldn't be more clear, Dan. It's very yeah. obvious. Israel has never been shy about its intentions. They have always been very open about their uh, their plans for Gaza, their plans for Palestinians. They have all, I mean, they talk about mowing the lawn, y'all. This is not, it's not, um, you know, us being uh, hyperbolic or overly dramatic. This is a genocide. It is playing out on the world stage 
stage in broad daylight, um, as Dan just mentioned, and these are numbers from yesterday. So, uh, no, I'm sorry, two days ago. So I'm sure that this is even higher. And as Dan mentioned, this is a drastic undercount, in my opinion. I think that um, uh, there's no question that there are thousands of people buried under rubble uh, that they cannot get to. Also, communication systems are down, so it's difficult for the different sectors um, of Palestine to report back to a central location. So I think that these are very wildly underestimated. But um, uh, according to Euromed uh, Human Rights Monitor, they say 29,124 people have been killed so far. Um, and the most significant to me as a mother that is the most uh, devastating is 11,422 children, kids, children. They have no, um, uh, nothing to do with this. They, uh, they were born Palestinian. That is their only crime. Uh, and that is just in 11 weeks. We're not even three months into this thing. Um, and we already have, uh, almost, uh, 11,500 kids who have been murdered and it is just devastating that this is taking place. Um, you know, so openly and that there are so many people who, um, rabidly support this. So we have to take another quick break, but hang tight. We're going to be right back with more Dan here on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Merry Christmas. Happy holiday. I hope you had a great one. And if you tune into my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern here on TNT, you know that I bring a lot of things back to Seinfeld. Well, we're going to do that right now. But first, Frank Costanza has to tell you what Festivus is. And at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. Frank, this new holiday of yours is scratching me right where I itch. Let's do it then. All right. Festivus is back! I'll get the pole out of the crawl space. A Festivus for the rest of us! There you have it. Now we go to Florida. This display is at Orlando International Airport. Please join us for a Festivus for the rest of us, complete with a grievance box and a pole, which comes with a warning not to use it as a dance pole. And look at this. 13 years ago, inside the Florida Capitol building, a Festivus pole made of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer cans. Like I said, everything comes down to Seinfeld. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg, right here on TNT. Right, I've got cancer. I've been trying to tell the rest of you, but no one's listening. And I don't just mean you, ears. Eyes, would you look in the damn toilet for once? Hands, roll those sleeves and take a sample. And legs, trot off to the doctor to get me looked at. Because bowel cancer can be successfully treated when detected early. Now look who's finally woken up. This is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we are back here with Dan Kavalik, who is an amazing human rights activist and uh, lawyer. Um, he was just in the West Bank. He's been doing fantastic work on the Israel-Palestine. And it, it's not a conflict. It's a genocide. Conflict, war, those are not accurate descriptors. It's a genocide. Um, uh, so uh, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the um, the unbelievably atrocious news that has been coming out about potential organ harvesting that has been taken place by Israel. Um, this is relatively uh, new, at, at least this time around. This is stuff that's been whispered about for a very long time in Israel. Um, but th there is, in fact, uh, uh, evidence out that supports the fact that Israel is harvesting organs from the various Palestinians that they are slaughtering. What do you think about that, Dan? Pretty gross, right? Yes. And I think it's true, by the way. Israeli officials yes. over the years yes. have admitted that they've done this. 
Yes. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I talked to a woman in the West Bank, a wonderful woman named Fadia uh, Barguti, who told me in 1999, when she was in high school, uh, one of her uh, classmates was murdered by uh, Israeli forces in the school. His body was taken away by helicopter, was brought back, and it was clearly sewn up from the chest down to the belly button. And instead of eyes, he had uh, glass marbles put in there because clearly they'd taken his eyes. So this has been going on for years. And then the most recent uh, event that we know of is 80 bodies, Palestinian bodies that have been taken from Gaza, some from morgues, some from even cemeteries, um, were brought back and clearly showed signs that their organs had been removed. We know that also skin is being harvested by the Israelis. And why is this important? I mean, not only is this obviously uh, a violation of their rights and their humanity, but what this is, to me, this is more evidence of genocidal intent. They would not do this to Israelis, right? They clearly see the Palestinian people not as people. They see them as things that they can just yeah. take their organs, take their skin, mistreat them, it, not only in life, but also in death. And, and, and I think that we should be very concerned about this. And again, the gloves are off. The, the Israelis are not even pretending anymore. They're being very open about what yeah. they're doing, about their genocidal intent. Uh, they're saying we're going to commit a genocide. They're committing it. And yet, you know, again, the press is very reluctant to acknowledge what the Israelis are pretty openly doing. Yeah. And you're right. They are just openly saying it. In fact, I have a um, an entire thread. It's a massive thread on Twitter. We've talked about it on this show before where I went through and tried to collect as many examples as I could find of Israeli officials or their various proxies or whatever, um, who were very openly uh, stating the case that they were making or that they were committing a genocide. They're not bashful in any way, shape, form or fashion. And with the organ harvesting thing, you're right. Um, there's a, 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 They've admitted it publicly as far back as 2009 when a doctor admitted that Israeli pathologists had harvested organs without consent. So this is, uh, I think I've seen a lot of people trying to protect, a lot of Zionist uh, sympathizers and supporters saying that, oh, that's a conspiracy theory, you're crazy that's not happening. They have admitted to it in the past. So certainly, uh, why would they not be doing it now? Of course they would be. Um, and I think that you're right. That speaks to the gross dehumanization that has been taking place um, for a very long time. I mean, we've seen many of them talk about uh, Palestinians as human animals and um, you know, various other disgusting terms. And I mean, we've seen that before, Dan, right? I mean, we've seen that kind of language being used before and we know what that's about. And so uh, again, the idea that anybody is clutching their pearls over using the term genocide is very strange to me. It's very apparent. I don't think that there's any, uh, to me, there's no debate about it. Would you agree? It, it is really just, it is a clear cut example of a genocide. Yes. And a number of people have said this is a textbook case of genocide. It clearly is. Yes. There, again, there's a lot of reasons to reach that conclusion. Again, the statement of officials is numerous Israeli officials, as you say, some saying they're human animals. Others are saying you're insulting animals by calling them animals. Others saying they should just flatten Gaza. Their, their uh, heritage minister saying that they should nuke all of Gaza. Um, the hatred, the absolute hatred that is being shown towards the Palestinians is unrivaled. These are the type 
of evidence that has been found in the Rwandan genocide, other genocides. The fact, again, that they're using 2,000 pound bombs on a very um, uh, densely populated urban area is also evidence because they're clearly trying to do as much damage to the civilian population as possible. Also, the fact they told people in the north, go to the south where you will find safe haven. Now they're bombing the south. I mean, yeah. It is very clear that they are trying to wipe out a huge part of the of, of the Palestinian population. And by the way, the 1948 Genocide Convention is very clear that the intention has to be to wipe out in whole or in part a designated racial, ethnic, national group. You don't have to intend to wipe the entire population out, just a part of it. Already, Israel's wiped out 1% of the population of Gaza, which is significant. And they've been killing huge numbers of children. Uh, not only, as you say, have 11,000 children uh, been killed, we know that something like uh, 8,000 have lost their limbs. Yeah. Uh, 25,000 are now orphans. And where are those kids gonna go, right? right. They're gonna probably go to other groups, meaning non-Palestinian groups abroad, which that is also part of the Genocide Convention, which forbids the force, forcible transfer of children one, from one group to another. Essentially, you can tick off nearly every act that's prohibited under the Genocide Convention, and they're doing it. One other one is making, uh, creating the conditions uh, uh, of life where people cannot inhabit there. Again, yeah. the denial of water, the denial of food, the denial of medicine, all that's happening. They've cut off water to Gaza. It has been cut off since October 7th. You're talking months now that people have been without water. How, how long can you live that way? You just can't. Yeah. And that's again, what we're seeing. So that's an explosion is, of um, um, uh, waterborne illness. Uh, that's another thing that people aren't even considering. It, not only is there going to be obvious direct death um, uh, from the bombs that are dropped and the 20,000 people, over 20,000 people who have been killed in that way, um, but there's going to be a lot of secondary death where people are going to die, as you mentioned earlier, from famine, from disease, from all of the other horrible things that come along as a result of these types of situations. And it's, I think it's so important that people realize that it's not just they're, that they're dropping, um, you know, 20,000 pound uh, bombs. They're dropping what's called dumb bombs, which means they're not guided. They, they keep trying to say that these are strategic attacks. They're they're trying to get specific targets. They're not. They're absolutely not. These are, it isn't, we keep saying the term indiscriminate bombing because that's what it is. It is indiscriminate bombing. And they are targeting, if you just look at the locations that they're targeting, I think it becomes very apparent what's happening here. They're targeting things like hospitals, schools, refugee camps. Um, this is, uh, you know, supposed to be, first of all, war crimes, um, but th those are supposed to be safe havens for people um, and places where innocent civilians can go to seek refuge from uh, the violence that's, uh, that's occurring. And then, as you mentioned, even when they uh, tell people, hey, go to the South, we're, I mean, we're going to be bombing the crap out of the North, go to the South, they start bombing there as well. Um, and I think that it's just, it, it, to me, again, there is just no debate about this. I think 
think that there's a reason why they target women and children. Obviously, women birth the children. Children are the future. Um, and I think that there's a very specific reason. And as I mentioned on the show, again, something that they're not shy about, uh, the IDF, some IDF soldiers some years back uh, uh, made a shirt that had a picture of a pregnant Palestinian woman on it. And it said, one shot, two kills. That's the mentality we're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. The other thing we should point out is not only are they murdering the people of Palestine, they're murdering their history. They're murdering all of our history. They've destroyed the third oldest Christian church in the world. They have destroyed ancient mosques, ancient museums. Those things will never come back. And again, that is all part of the plan. Not only do they want to eradicate the Palestinian people, they want to eradicate any memory that they ever existed. It is an awful plan that is being hatched. And now Netanyahu is is being very open that they're trying to find another country to put the Palestinians of Gaza. Again, ideally, they want to put them in the Sinai Desert. And how many, by the way, would die on the way there? Uh, Thousands, of course. Uh, But he's happy to put them anywhere. And again, that's very open uh, that he wants an ethnic cleansing, that he wants to totally depopulate the entire population, 2.3 million people of Gaza. Yep. 100%. And half of those are kids. Again, I'm going to keep harping on the kids. I'm a mother. It's devastating for me to think about the idea that there are over a million children who are dealing with this situation. Um, And Bison, an amazing uh, journalist uh, who is in Gaza, uh, made a post the other day, I think on Instagram, where she was talking about uh, the disabled community of Gaza. I can't imagine trying to navigate this situation uh, in general. And then can you imagine being deaf or blind? Or I have a child with autism. Can you imagine having autism and trying to deal with the situation that they're dealing with, it is unfathomable to me. It's just everything about this is so inhumane. And it's, um, again, just very bizarre to me that anybody who has two brain cells and any ounce of humanity uh, could support this. It is, uh, it's it's just very frustrating. I wanted to ask you too, though, uh, as we're running out of time here, um, I've heard you talk about this. I've spoken about it on my show. Um, there's a lot of um, misdirection here where people are trying to pretend as if this is a war of religion. It is not. Can you speak a little bit about no. that? Well, yeah, because first of all, there are Christian Palestinians, there are Jewish Palestinians. Um, This is not about religion. In fact, Israel also oppresses ultra-Orthodox Jews who support Palestine. Um, This has never been about a religion. It's been about a land grab, uh, again, from the Palestinian people who represent numerous faiths, all of which are being repressed. And since we're just, uh, you know, still in the midst of Christmas season, we should talk about the fact, again, that they are oppressing Christians and Palestinians as well. They've invaded the city of Bethlehem on a number of occasions. There was a mob, Israeli mob violence against the Armenian Christian community in Jerusalem two days ago, or actually just yesterday. Um, This is about uh, uh, certainly racial uh, cleansing, uh, but it's not religious. And in fact, many Jews believe that Zionism, which is the the belief in this Israeli state, is anathema to Judaism. That it's counter to everything that Judaism stands for. And there are many Jews, of course, throughout the world, including in my country, the United States, that are protesting this genocidal war 
the Palestinians on the basis yes. that it violates certainly the commandment that thou shall not kill. And yes. um, those things we need to be aware of. Yeah, for sure. And I think yeah. that uh, there's been a um, desperate attempt to conflate Zionism with Judaism. They are not one in the same. Zionism is, again, I will say it again, a political ideology has nothing to do with Judaism. Uh, and Judaism is a thousands year old religion. They are not the same thing. Um, uh, the people who invented Zionism were mostly atheists. They had no, this is not, uh, again, it has nothing to do with religion. This is, as all war is, really, I mean, Smedley Butler told us ages ago that war is a racket. It is about power. It's about money. It's about resources. It's about land. Um, it is. It has nothing to do with religion. That is just the facade that they hide behind um, in order to justify it, I think, is uh, really all that that boils down to. And I think well, it's just so gross. It's gross. Like, that's just gross to it me. Is. Well, I love the quote by Elon Pape, who is an Israeli, but he's critical of the Israeli state. And he said the, 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 the secret joke is that the Zionists don't believe in God, but they believe that God gave them Israel, right? So yeah. it's a big lie. And, and luckily, that lie is finally falling apart before our eyes. Yeah. And I think that that's part of Israel losing uh, control over the narrative, as we spoke about earlier. I think that that's, to me, I think that's been the most hopeful thing about this. It's hard to find hope in any of this. Um, it's difficult to watch, as you mentioned, the numerous videos. I mean, it's a constant barrage of videos and photos of just absolute devastation, unbelievably horrific violence. Um, some of the worst imagery that I've ever seen in my existence. And I think it has definitely changed me as a person. I'm sure anybody who's paying attention it has impacted them. I don't know how it couldn't. Um, but I think that um, uh, it's just been it's to me watching um, the narrative fall away, watching Israel lose control over uh, the propaganda. I think despite the fact that they have nearly full control over Western media and up until this point, um, they've been able to control the narrative through that because uh, they did. There wasn't social media. I think now that we have for all of its faults, and there are many faults to social media, um, for all of its faults, I think that it can be a very powerful tool, tool. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that play out. I think that, as you said, social media has been one of the best friends to the people of Palestine because they have been able to expose the world to the reality of their situation and expose the world to the truth that most people would would likely not hear otherwise because it's not something that um, mainstream media will ever expose people to. And I think that um, that's also putting another nail in in the coffin, thankfully, uh, to mainstream press, which in my estimation is one of the greatest threats that we face as a species. Western media is, um, they're the ones that lie us into most of these situations. They're the one that, that uh, you know, run cover for power and all of that. So um, I think that that's just a little piece of hope that we can uh, kind of grasp onto is that um, Palestine is now able to tell their own stories. And again, that we can't speak enough about the courage of the journalists in Gaza, who despite knowing, I think they are all very fully aware that they are being targeted. I think that there's now been 105 journalists who have been killed um, in the past 80 some odd days um, and their families have also been targeted and they're very fully aware of that. And yet they continue to work. They continue to tell those stories. Um, and I think that that's just been an amazing um, uh, something else has just been amazing to witness. It's unfortunate that they are in that position, but um, it's uh, something that has definitely impacted me as a person watching it. So, um, OK, Dan, unfortunately, we're out of time. Please tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your work, where they can get the book, all that stuff. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. You can find me, as you said, on Twitter at Daniel M. Kabbalah, K-O-V-A-L-I-K. My book, 
The Case for Palestine is available for pre-order on Amazon, or if you don't like Amazon, you can go to my publisher, skyhorsepublishing.com. Uh, Those are great places to find me. And, uh, you know, Free Palestine. Yes. Free Palestine. I agree. Absolutely. I appreciate you so much taking the time to come on. I would love to have you back once the book comes out. Um, again, I pre-ordered my copy, so I'm very excited to get it. It's uh, available, going to be available in March. So um, definitely check out Amazon if you don't like that. Go to the publisher. That's where I went uh, and pre-order a copy. It'll be out March 12th. I'm very excited to read it. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I appreciate you very much. Um, I will be back Thanks. on Monday with a whole new host of shows for you. So definitely tune in for that. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now, and don't go anywhere, Timothy shades right after this on TNT Radio.